Mark Job says, unless the rebuilding project you're focusing on is renewed spiritually, the rebuilding is only half completed. What does it mean to be hungry for God? That's coming up next. Whatever piques our interest, whatever we're hungry for, whatever we're engaged in, typically where our heart is at is what we will have a hunger and thirst for. Welcome to Moody Presents with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Pastor Mark begins a new message today in our series in Nehemiah. It's titled Experiencing Grassroots Renewal. We're pretty pumped to share this message with you today because developing a hunger, a thirst for God, is really at the core of our ministry at the Moody Bible Institute, and very specifically here on Moody Presents. We're going to move ahead to the first part of Nehemiah chapter 8 and see how God did a miraculous work in bringing 40,000 people together who were hungry for Him. In the massive rebuilding effort of Jerusalem, the walls were built and doors secured, but it was more important that their hearts were in the right place before God. Let's pick up the story now, and here's Pastor Mark Job with today's Moody Presents. And so Nehemiah did in 52 days what had not been accomplished in 141 years. This devastated town is turned around in 52 days because the hand of God was upon them. And now we arrive at chapter 8. They finally hung the doors put the gates on, the, the mile and a half wall, 15 feet high, three feet wide, is finished, and you would think they would all be cheering and celebrating and like, hey, it's over, but it's not. Because here's what I want you to understand. Unless the spiritual part of your rebuilding is renewed, then your rebuilding is in vain. You see, I, I'm glad that You're rebuilding your business, and praise God that you're out of chapter 11 now, and and, and you have some investors that are helping you out, and you've gotten back on on, on focus, and, and, and you have a business plan, and that's great. I'm really happy for you because that's important, but listen, unless you get your spiritual part right then the, the just getting your business in order doesn't set everything straight unless God is able to revive your heart. Hey, I'm glad that you and your wife were separated. I'm glad that you're back together. I'm glad you're seeing a marriage counselor. I'm glad you're rebuilding your marriage and making steps to go forward. But unless there is spiritual renewal in your own individual lives, the job is only half completed. Hey, I'm really happy that you you are have celebrated one year of sobriety and that you haven't touched the bottle in 12 months. And that's great because that's a huge, huge milestone. But listen, unless your spiritual life is renewed, your sobriety is not the whole picture. It's only half of the picture until God begins to renew your spiritual life. The rebuilding is not finished until God gets a grip on on, on your spiritual life. So the wall was finished. Now God wanted to do something deeper among the people. And this is a pretty incredible chapter. And we only have time this morning to deal with the first nine verses. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, when the seven month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns. Now the wall was completed in month six. So this is a few weeks after the month the wall has been completed. And the Israelites had settled into their towns. The job is done. 
They're not under so much stress. It's a couple weeks after the wall has been finished. It says, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. Now, the water gate square was sort of like the main plaza of Jerusalem. And when it says all the people, you need to keep in mind that the population of Israelites was 2% of the entire population that had been taken exiled to Babylon, which was about 40,000 people. So there's close to 40,000 people that gather together in this big plaza. It looks like a demonstration. It looks like some major manifestation, demonstration of the people, but they gather together with one specific purpose. And it says, they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Now, you remember who Ezra was. Ezra was the preacher. Nehemiah was the builder. It's funny to me, though, that the preacher didn't get much done until he hooked up with a business guy that was able to organize things and make things happen, right? Ezra had been preaching and preaching. The wall wasn't rebuilt. The church wasn't restored until Nehemiah came into the picture and organized things. And sometimes, oftentimes, I I believe that the church needs a little bit of both. It needs the preaching, but it also needs the organizers because if all you do is just preach to a crowd, nothing gets done. People need to be mobilized to get things done. I believe in a church that's mobilized, not just a church that assembles to hear practical teaching and fill up notebooks. I believe in a church that gets mobilized to get something done. Amen? Okay, just making sure you're with me on that. So here it says that the people of God... They, they assembled together. Now, they assembled together after the work of the wall was done, and they had one request of Ezra the preacher. They said to Ezra, remember 40,000 of them, say to Ezra, bring out the book. The book? Yeah, bring out the book. Now, we have the, the advantage since the Gutenberg Press was first instituted, we had the advantage of having the book uh, pretty much in every home across America. And, and we had the advantage of having Bibles. They're neatly bound, they're packaged. You can get them in thin line and extra large letters and pocket size. And I mean, there's every kind of, you know, the big, fat King James Bible and the thin you know, comic book Bible, and there's the youth version, and the recovery version, and the prosperity version, and every, you know, we have that advantage. But what you have to remember is that in the days of Nehemiah, people didn't have Bibles. There was no printing press. So these precious scrolls were very few and far between. And so the people said to Ezra, bring out the book, the scrolls. Because we want to hear it. Notice what happens. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all those who were able to understand. He read it out loud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. 
And he had several men on his right and several men on his left. Look at verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people who could see him could see him because he was standing above them as he opened it. The people stood up. Verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, something incredible happened on this day, and I want to bring your attention to it. Something incredible happened on this day because 40,000 people gather in this big plaza and they say, we want you to read the book to us. So from sunrise, now how many of you know when sunrise is around Chicago? Some of you say, I get up at 11. I, I. Those of you that actually go to work in the morning, get up and, and don't work second shift. Some of you probably have never seen, you know, you work second shift or around 6 o'clock, right? Okay, 545, he's got it down. 6 o'clock in the morning till noon, Ezra reads the law. Now, how many hours is that? Six hours. Now, what book is he reading and what law is he reading? Well, he's not reading the Gospels because this is 600 years before Jesus. So obviously, he's not reading the Gospel. He's reading what is called the Pentateuch. Pent stands for five, right? Pentagon, five, five. So Pentateuch means five books. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, and they were all written by Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? Now, some of you have read through the Pentateuch. Others of you have tried to read through it on your read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year quest. And many of you have gone through Genesis saying, wow, this is interesting, the Garden of Eden, the Fall, Babel, Abraham, Isaac, faith, beautiful. You get to Exodus and the people that are in slavery and Joseph's story and the plagues, man, we're rolling here. And then suddenly you get to Leviticus. Some of you have made a lot of Read your way through the Bible until you got to Leviticus, and then you bolt out, and uh, you go to the New Testament because it starts talking about the pork you shouldn't eat and the law of this and that and genealogies, and you bail out at Leviticus and Numbers, and you've never gotten past that. Well, imagine Ezra standing on a wooden platform. Everybody's standing. There's no cushion. There's no seat. There's no amplification. 40,000 people are there in this plaza. Now, what, how many is 40,000 people? Well, imagine the United Center full to capacity. Imagine that. Full to capacity. That's a big crowd, right? Well, now double the United Center, because I think the United Center seats about 20,000 or so. Two United Centers packed out. One guy without a microphone, without big Megatron screens in the back so you can't see Ezra's expression. He's a little head on a platform way over there. People are standing. They're outside. There's a little noise. And for six hours straight, he reads through the Pentateuch. You say, man, they must have been bored out of their minds. 
I mean, he must have had like drama going on in the background and people dancing and people saying, wake up, everybody. No. It says, and all the people listened attentively. Now, I've been a pastor, preacher, communicator for a long time. I know that's a miracle. I mean, Leviticus, and they're listening attentively? You know why? Because something had happened in that crowd, supernatural, unexplainable. Something had occurred in their heart that made them, here's the word, catch it, hungry for God. Hungry for God. You see, there's something that happens when we become hungry for God that that causes our attention to focus. When people become hungry for God, it causes everything to shift around a little bit. You listen better. Your heart's engaged. You respond. You want more. You're open. You hear. It touches you. You're engaged in worship. In fact, you know what they were doing? It tells us that as Nehemiah was was reading uh, the word of God, he read out loud, and it says, first of all, he got up, he stood up, and the people lifted their hands, and they responded, and they said, amen, amen. You know what amen means? It means, yes, so be it. It means, I agree. It means, yeah, right on. That's what amen means. And so the people were saying, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we agree. So they were verbally responding. You're listening to Moody Presents, the teaching ministry of Moody Bible Institute President Mark Job. The title of this series in Nehemiah is Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World. There are so many practical ideas to take away from this book in the Old Testament for your own spiritual life. And if you do miss any of our broadcasts, you can always listen again at moodypresents.org. I like that because I guess I'm a slower listener. I need to hear things a second or third time. And so I appreciate being able to go to moodypresents.org. Also, check out the Moody Radio app. It's easier than ever now to bookmark and access the teaching on the Moody Presents broadcast. Again, go to moodypresents.org to learn more. Okay, back to the teaching in Nehemiah chapter 8. Here's the scene. Thousands of people were face down, weeping at how faithful God had been to their people. A grassroots renewal was happening, and the rebuilding was completed. Once again, here's Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. Not only were they verbally responding, but it says, and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So as as Nehemiah praises God, they're saying amen, they're waving their hands, and then they get on the ground, they they, they get on their faces, 40,000 of them, and they bow on the ground, their face down. They're engaged in what's happening. They're engaged in worship. Let me tell you how you know whether you're hungry for God. You see, when you're hungry for something, you have an appetite for that. You're engaged in that. You see, when you're not really hungry for something, you're easily bored with it. 
You know, some of you have tried to get your, your wives to really sit down with you and watch the Bears game. And, 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 and you know, some women are really, really engaged in it, but others are like, you know, a bunch of burly guys running around knocking each other down like, that, that's not what I'm into. And so you said, sit down, honey, and, and watch this. And she's like, mm, I'll watch it for five minutes. Okay, I got to go. And because she's not into it. She's just not into it. You know, just like, if, you, if it's not something that's close to your heart and you really like, then you easily get bored with it. Yesterday, I spent two hours at a mall. Now, that's love, right? Two hours. Two hours. And we took our whole family. Took our whole family. So, um, now, my, you know, this is just the way people are wired. Now, my wife and my daughter felt like this is way not enough time for us because, wow, we only, only got to see only a few places. We had a lot more time. My son Josiah stayed in the car for two hours in the parking lot because he didn't want to go and just read. He was, he was, and my eight-year-old son and I went in and we sat down at a coffee shop and he had a cinnamon roll and I had a coffee and we waited and was like, hey, this is long. And my son was, hey, when can we go? And then my daughter and my wife were like, man, this is really short time. I guess we have to go now. Because it's all about what you're engaged in and interested in. I was bored with it. But they were engaged in it. Because their heart is more into it than my heart was into it. Uh, some of you guys... Um, you know, you love cars and vehicles, and so you see a car driving down the street, and man, you, you're into the motor and the cylinders and the horsepower and the year it was done and the body and, and who manufactures it, and you know all the details about it, and you really love the car in your garage, and so you try to tell your wife, you know, hey, don't park too close, it can get dented, and she's like, yeah, whatever, it's just a car, but for you, no, no, this is much more than a car, because you're engaged and your heart is there, so you think about it, you, 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 you really take time, you wash it out, and your wife says, didn't you just wash it two days ago? Yeah, but it's dirty, can't you tell? And any little nick you notice and you want it clean and it aggravates you when people put food on the carpet and it's not taken care. Why? Because you value it highly. Some of you are into the stock market and you spend a lot of time watching a little television with little bleeps and numbers and it really affects you, throws your day off when those numbers go down, puts your day up when the numbers go up. You're really, really into it because you value it. And whatever we value grabs our attention, piques our interest, keeps us engaged. But if we don't value something, we are easily bored by it. Uh, it, it just, we're, we're not with it. We endure it, but it bores us. Listen to me. Hear me, hear me well. Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, it's a miracle of God that 40,000 people, men, women, and children were engaged in the reading of the Word of God because they were hungry for God. Six hours. Not a half hour, 45 minutes, six. You see, it's um, John Piper that wrote in his book, A Hunger for God, 
If we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because we have drunk so deeply and are satisfied. It's because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world that our soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. Do you realize that in some countries, they don't gather in a big building like this? In fact, in China, the gospel is exploding like no other country around the world. China, Africa, and some parts of South America, people are coming to Christ in unprecedented numbers. Churches are being birthed. And you know where typically they gather in China? They gather in homes, packed out from wall to wall. And some of the, because it's, it's not an a open country, and some of them, some of the leaders are put in jail. And you know what they have? They value the word of God because often they don't have. They have handwritten copies of the word of God. I had a guy, a guy that told me that, that uh, many of those people have memorized just entire books of the Bible, and they hand copy the word of God, and I'm told that if the Bible study and the teacher, the guest preacher or teacher comes and preaches less than two hours, people are disappointed like, hey, that was a really short message. Man, we're hungry here. And here's some of you are saying, Pastor, I really hope. We need to get Pastor Mark a bigger watch because, I mean, he went over 10 minutes before, hey, tech team, big watch, neon lights in the back, hey, it's time to close. You see, whatever we're hungry for, whatever we're thirsty for, whatever we're engaged in, we can endure a lot of. You know, some of you that are into movies, you can sit there and, you know, watch hours and hours of movies. Hey, let's watch the entire Lord of the Rings series. And you'll sit there and watch seven hours of Lord of the Rings. Be engaged in it. But yet, when you just think about trying to spend 15 minutes in prayer, you like this cloud of, whoa, that's a long time. 15 minutes. I mean... And the point that I'm making is this, folks, is that whatever piques our interest, whatever we're hungry for, whatever we're engaged in, typically where our heart is at is what we will have a hunger and thirst for. It's a supernatural work of God. Let me tell you, the people that are most engaged in the things of God spiritually, typically the countries that are hungrier for God are oftentimes the countries that are stripped down. You see, the countries in the West, like North America, we have been numbed by materialism. We don't need that much. Oh, you say, well, hey, hey, I have a lot of needs. I know, but compared to the rest of the world, you see, if you go to Africa or Mozambique, uh, visit Chai Chai, where I was at two years ago, and see the people walking to a conference barefoot and, and being tithing with eggs and mangoes because they have no money, then you understand that people are stripped from materialism and oftentimes all they have is God. I don't have to tell a mother that has a teenage son on life support system because he's been shot in the head and the doctors are saying they're not sure if he's going to be, be survived. I don't have to tell her to pray because she prays intensely because there's need in her life. 
what the Spirit of God told to the churches in Revelation. He, you think you're well clothed and you think you're, you have it all together, but what you don't realize is that you're poor and naked and needy. You see, you don't, you don't know, and I've been there. I've been to Laodicea in, in, uh, in Turkey where these people thought they had it all together, and what, the, what John was saying through the Spirit of God is, hey, you really I don't care how much is in your bank account and what car you drive or what clothes you dress and how, how secure you think your career is. Really, if you had spiritual eyes, you would realize that you have a desperate need for God in your life. So powerful. We've just got to share that John Piper quote one more time. Again, it's from his book, A Hunger for God. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. Well, of course, the question is, are you hungering? Am I hungering for the right things? This is Moody Presents with our teacher, Mark Job. And did you know that our program is listener-supported? supported by you, and thousands from across the country find this Bible teaching important, and in response, they stand with us to become Moody Presents monthly partners. You can give your gift online at moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. We'd love it if you consider becoming a monthly partner, but however you give, thank you for your support. It's our prayer, it's our hope that what you're hearing here is an encouragement, it's a challenge to live out your faith in a bold way. Well, we're halfway through our message, Experiencing Grassroots Renewal, which means there's more to come, more to learn. The conclusion comes your way next time. I'm John Geiger, and on behalf of Dr. Mark Job, Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.